Will you join with me in prayer? God, we just thank you for your presence with us. God, we pray that you would be with us this morning as we turn to your word. God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, we pray that you would pour out your hope into our hearts, that we would trust that you are a God who can do great and mighty things. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Well, this fall, as we are moving through Proverbs, we are exploring what wisdom looks like in a variety of situations. And you may know that Proverbs is a collection of sayings that reflect uh, wisdom of God's people that they have gleaned through their life experience. And that that wisdom of God's people has been validated by God by being included in the Holy Bible. And so it's been preserved for us to experience today. And so that's why we're digging into that. But as God's people, we also have gleaned wisdom from our life experience. And the aspect of wisdom that we're focusing on this morning is wisdom in repairing relationships. Now, I would imagine that every single one of us has needed some wisdom in navigating a difficult relationship. I was interested in what wisdom some of you might offer on this topic, and so I asked some of you to think about this and to share some of your wisdom. And I had a great response to my invitations, and so I'm only able to share a few of the pearls of wisdom that I received. First, from Terry, I received something short and sweet. He said, treat others as you want them to treat you. I talked to Allison. Allison is a counselor and she focused on resolving conflict. And her wisdom was take time to calm yourself before having a difficult conversation. Flicka and Allie both shared wisdom that kind of made me giggle. <laughs> Allie said, be a fountain, not a drain. Think about that for a minute. And Flicka said, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> Biblical proverbs really aren't all that different from those that were shared with me. Some biblical proverbs might make you giggle a little bit, like Proverbs 25, 24. Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And like Allison's proverb, biblical proverbs offer wisdom about healthy communication and resolving conflict like Proverbs 11, 12, and 13. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. A gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Similar to what Terry shared, biblical Proverbs counsel us to treat other people the way that we want to be treated. For example, Proverbs 24, 17 tells us, do not gloat when your enemy falls. The Bible shares wisdom through Proverbs like we've just heard, but it also shares wisdom through stories. And today we're gonna to focus on a story, the story of Joseph and his brothers. And if you're working through the devotional that accompanies this series, either this week you read or next week you will read, portions of this story in Genesis and an overview of the whole story. And it's quite a story. 
so that we're all on the same page today, I just want to tell you this story, and not verbatim from the Bible, but the way that we might tell a story around a campfire. So it's a story about Jacob, who had 12 sons. Now, just pause, think about that for a moment. That's a lot of groceries and a lot of laundry. Like every family, they didn't always get along. Now, in fact, they usually didn't get along, and that's because Jacob played favorites. And his most favorite son was Joseph. Now, maybe you know what that likes to, what's that like to experience favoritism. Really isn't good for anyone. Joseph got used to being on the top of the heap, and he flaunted it. In fact, he did that repeatedly. And his brother's jealousy kind of burned and simmered until finally it just couldn't be tolerated. And so they decided to get rid of Joseph, and they threw him into a pit to die. But God was with Joseph in that pit. And while he's in that pit, his brothers had an interesting idea. Why let him die in a pit when you can sell him, make a little cheddar? And so they sold him to slave traders headed to Egypt, and then they lied to their father, telling him that his favorite son had been killed by a wild animal. But God was with Joseph in Egypt. Joseph was a smart dude. He was fortunate also because he got to work for a man named Potiphar, a very prominent man. And Potiphar was very impressed by Joseph and the things that he was able to do. And so he, things were kind of looking up for Joseph as he gained an influence until he was framed by Potiphar's wife. Now think about that just for a minute. Who is Potiphar going to believe? Is he going to believe the foreign slave whom he bought? Or is he going to believe his wife? Well, that's a no-brainer. And so Joseph was thrown into prison. But God was with Joseph in prison. You see, God had given Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. And as it so happened, Pharaoh, the most powerful person in Egypt, had a dream that no one could interpret. And it became known that Joseph had this ability to interpret dreams. And so Joseph was taken out of prison, summoned to appear before the most prominent person in the world. And Pharaoh was a smart dude. Pharaoh recognized Joseph's wisdom, and he put this foreigner in charge of Egypt's entire food supply in order to prepare for the years of famine that were coming. The famine was extreme, and the famine was extensive, and Egypt became the only place where one could purchase food. And so some, one day, something completely unexpected happened. Joseph found himself with his brothers standing in front of him, asking to purchase food. Has something like that ever happened to you? Have you ever unexpectedly encountered someone with whom you have had a broken relationship? Perhaps you walked around a corner and suddenly they were there and you like almost bumped into them. Or maybe after years of having no contact, you go to a restaurant and that person is seated at the table right next to you. It's awkward, to say the least. Now, Joseph recognized his brothers. There's 10 of them, but he looked different. 
He spoke the Egyptian language and they had actually written him off a long time ago as being gone. It never occurred to them that this man who controlled the Egyptian food supply was Joseph, their brother. And he didn't tell them. Instead, he made them sweat. <laughs> he accused them of being spies. He tricked them and he demanded that they bring to Egypt their father's other favorite son, Benjamin. So two years go by after this first meeting in Egypt, and then there's a moment that we're going to read about right now from Genesis chapter 45. It is the moment in which Joseph tells his brothers who he is. I invite us to hear these words from Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 15. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer them because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into slavery in Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near to me, you, your children and grandchildren, and flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. I don't know about you, but I've always been impressed by Joseph's ability to take the high ground and to forgive his brothers after all that's happened. I mean, this family is so dysfunctional. And in some regard, somehow they have been able to move past this seriously broken relationship. 
And so that prompts us to ask the question, what can we learn from this story of Joseph and his brothers? Well, the first thing I think this story teaches us is that re relationships are repaired face-to-face, -face, in private, and with honesty. Joseph doesn't send a text, an email, or a messenger. He asks everyone to leave the room, and he looks his brothers in the face, and he tells them the hard truth. Joseph doesn't gloss over the wrong that his brothers did to them. In fact, twice he tells them, you sold me into slavery in Egypt. Joseph does not avoid conflict, and yet he has the courage to confront his brothers with the truth. He doesn't blame or scold his brothers, and he doesn't ask for a confession, and he doesn't absolve them of their wrongdoing. In what Joseph does is he just simply speaks the truth. He could have taken advantage of his position. Think about it. He's the second most powerful person in Egypt, and his brothers are now dependent upon him so that their entire family doesn't starve in this famine. And yet Joseph shows a surprising level of humility. Does, it made me wonder, does Joseph now realize that he needs to own some of the responsibility for this break in their relationship? Because he had been an arrogant teenager and he had flaunted his favorite status over his brothers. But no, Joseph is no longer that person. And now we see a humbler side of Joseph, which is the second lesson. Relationships are repaired when both parties assume a humble posture. We see Joseph's humility in this section of the story, but we have to turn back a few pages to see that his brother Judah deserves a lot of credit for this repair. And in chapter 44, you can read it, Judah makes a long speech in which he basically says, we are guilty and we're at your mercy, Joseph. And at the end of the speech, Joseph or Judah offers to take the place of his younger brother, Benjamin. And he says, take me, I will be the slave in Egypt because if my father would lose Benjamin, that would break his heart. And I can't bear for my father's heart to be broken again. You see, Judah shows humility. He shows humility in his confession. And he also shows humility in his offer of self-sacrifice. And I wonder, if that show of humility begins to crack the self-protective walls that Joseph has been hiding behind for so many years. It's an emotional encounter that we read about this morning because this relationship has been broken for so long. Joseph has been separated from his family. He's been living in Egypt for 20 years. And the longer the relationships have remained broken, the longer the repair will take. This has been happening a very long time, and it likely won't be fixed by one conversation. What we read in Genesis 45 is an incomplete reconciliation. It's a reconciliation, but it's not total. And that's usually how reconciliations work. Look at verse 13. Joseph refers to my father, not our father. And then also notice 
that this pattern of favoritism, which is just so ingrained in this family, is still happening. If you look in verse 22, you'll see that Joseph gives Benjamin much more than he does his other brothers. He's showing favoritism. And yet, as difficult and as incomplete as this reconciliation is and how it usually is, it's worth the effort. And we see that in this story too. One obvious benefit is that because Joseph forgave his brothers, his family did not die of famine. I mean, that's a big deal. If Joseph would have stubbornly refused to repair his relationship with his brothers, that would have been the end of the line for God's chosen people. And so we see here that there's more than family harmony at stake in this story. Reconciliation is not just good for the family line, it's good for Joseph. He gets his family back. He tried to forget the pain of the past. And we read that in Genesis 41, which says that he named his firstborn son Manasseh because it has been because God has made me forget all my trouble and my father's household. For 20 years, he sought to make a life in Egypt and forget the life that he had with his family. And yet now Joseph is able to embrace and to kiss his brothers. Reconciliation is also good for his brothers because they get set free from slavery themselves. Guilt is a terrible burden to bear. And for 20 years, they have lived with the guilt of selling their brother as a slave and breaking their father's heart with a lie. And because of this reconciliation, their father Jacob was able to enjoy his final days with all 12 of his sons. One of the beautiful things about this story is that it may have taken place a really long time ago, but it is so relatable because all of us have experienced a broken relationship. I have. This story reminds us that no matter how dysfunctional, how difficult the circumstances, God can be at work in our broken relationships. The most impressive thing that I see about Joseph is that he does trust that God is at work, that he seems to believe that God can reconcile this broken relationship. Do you believe that God can help reconcile your broken relationship? Do you have a broken relationship that you just can't fathom could ever be repaired? I have struggled with that. Sometimes I have felt like there's, what can I do? There's nothing I can do to make this right. Joseph's story has given me hope. I really hope that it gives you hope. How did Joseph find a way to move forward when there seemed to be no way? That was my big question that I felt like I needed to answer as I was working on this sermon. And the conclusion that I came to is that it's because his own family threw him in a pit and left him for dead, but he didn't die because God was with him. And after he was sold as a slave in Egypt, he worked hard, he did the right thing, and even so, he was thrown into prison. But God was with him. He became the number two guy in all of Egypt. You see, Joseph knew that no broken relationship is beyond God's redemption because 
God had been with him in so many impossible situations. So many times Joseph had no reason to hope that things could be worked out, and yet they did. And the remarkable thing about Joseph is that eventually he was able to see why. He realized that it wasn't his good fortune that he didn't die in the pit or in the prison. And it wasn't his cleverness or his charm that allowed him to climb the political ladder. He'd learned that lesson before when he was all full of himself. And so multiple times as you read his story, you hear him say to his brothers, it was God's doing. In many ways, Joseph was wise. He applied God's truth and knowledge to his circumstances. His very difficult, very unfair circumstances. Many of us are experiencing difficult and maybe even unfair circumstances involving a relationship that needs repair. Remember that God is with you. I invite you to hold on to the hope that for any relationship and that you consider the story of Joseph because remembering Joseph means reminding ourselves that even in the most deeply troubled family that has experienced unimaginable rupture, that forgiveness and healing are possible. God redeems even the most broken situations. Even when you are in a pit, there is hope. Look up. And trust that God is with you in the pain, in the anger, in the guilt and God can redeem your situation. If you were working through the devotional this week about this topic, you may have engaged in a practice called Picture It. It is a way to encounter God's word by engaging our imagination and placing ourselves in the story. When I did that, one of the things that stood out to me in this story was the tears. You see, the story begins and it ends with tears. And those tears drew me into this story. You know, Joseph weeps so loudly that the Egyptians in the other room hear him. Clearly, Joseph understands the pain of broken relationships. Roger Nam asks the question, why did Joseph weep? Was it joy at kind of beginning a reconciliation with his brothers? Was it sadness over all the times that they had been separated for 20 years? Was it catharsis that, you know, it was just like so emotional and it just like came out that way? Was it mysterious of, we don't know why? And maybe, I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us why he wept, and so that's probably the safest answer is to just say, we don't know why. And yet, I wonder, when I pictured it, I wondered, is Joseph weeping because Joseph felt the presence of God? Because God entered that room and God was at work in reconciling this very, very broken, very difficult relationship. And did that overwhelm Joseph? And he just wept. You know, because when you think about Joseph, he comes from quite a line. His father, Jacob, had fallen asleep and seen a stairway to heaven with angels ascending and descending. That was a powerful experience of God. 
His grandfather, Isaac, had been bound and placed on an altar, and yet God, re God saved him at the last possible moment by providing a lamb for the sacrifice. That was a powerful experience of God. And his great-grandfather, Abraham, heard God's call to go to a new territory and to, that he would make him a great nation. And Joseph, Joseph's more like us. Joseph never had a supernatural experience of God. Joseph fought, followed God and in ordinary ways and did his best to just do what was right and do what he felt God needed to, him to do. And, and yet it was never anything spectacular like his father or his grandfather or his great-grandfather. And I wonder if in that room, Joseph really felt like, wow, this is what it feels like to have God with me, God entering into all of this. And I wonder if that is why he wept. Because I know that when I have a powerful sense that God is in the room, that I almost always have tears. I wonder if God broke through all of the scars and all of the hurt and all of the bad days. And finally, God re Joseph realized that God had been at work in that all along and that God was redeeming all of that pain and that God was taking it and God was making something good out of it, something that would not just change him, not just change his family, something that would change the world. When we talk about wisdom in repairing relationships, there is certainly wisdom in doing it face-to-face, -face, in doing it privately, in speaking honestly. There is wisdom in assuming a humble posture and wisdom in recognizing that it won't be instantly resolved. It takes time. There are things that we can do and things we need to do to repair broken relationships in our lives. And I suppose that is good news. It's always good news when you hear there's something I can do in response. But I think that the really good news in this story is that you aren't working alone. And that just as God was with Joseph, God is with you. That God is in your mess. God is in your heartache. God is in the room with you when you have that very difficult conversation. Just as God was with Joseph and with his brothers. And the really good news is that this God who is with you can change people's hearts. Do you believe that? I'm convinced that Joseph did. And that, I think, is the most significant way in which Joseph modeled what it looked like to show wisdom in repairing relationships. Joseph believed that with God, all things are possible. Even broken relationships can be healed and repaired. May we believe that too.